Hi, this is Pastor Chris from Pure Church in Fort Pierce, Florida. We hope you enjoy listening to this three-part series from our Pure Conference with Pastor Alex Burgos from the River Orlando Church. I love the Word, amen? I love the Word. So we're going to build on what we talked about yesterday, amen? amen. Are you guys blessed? Yes. Amen. My Lord. Let's see, where do I start? Mm-hmm. Come on, just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence here in this place. Lord, Father, I pray you use me today to speak to your people, to encourage your people about the kingdom of God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we are kingdom ambassadors, and you have brought us on the earth in different areas, different regions to take over and build your kingdom, God. Lord, I thank you for the grace to do that, even in this place, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I love what your pastor was talking about here today. There is a prescribed way of doing things, amen? And when we line up to the pattern of doing things the way God prescribed, we get results. Can I get an amen? amen. And it's exciting in life, when you have this thing called traction, amen? Nobody likes to spin their wheels, amen? How many of you guys know what it is to spin your wheels? You, you, you kind of get frustrated. You, you're going and you feel like you're spinning your wheels and you're not getting anywhere, amen? But then when you grab traction, it's exciting, isn't it? Amen? And that's the thing that I like to see the most as a pastor, obviously as a shepherd. I like it when I see people get traction, amen? I tell our, I tell our people in the church, I say, look, we're Pentecostals. We're spirit-filled. Um, I love laying hands on people. I love seeing people get delivered. I love seeing people get touched with the power of God. But the only thing that impresses me is fruit. Amen? We love the move of the Holy Ghost. These are holy things. Amen? But we don't play around with the things of the Holy Ghost. Amen? The Bible says you shall receive what? Power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Amen? Well, you, don't just, you don't receive a touch. You don't receive just tongues. You receive power. Power is the evidence. Amen? Remember, when Jesus spoke to his disciples about Pentecost, he didn't say, when I, it's beneficial that I go away because I'm going to send the comforter, and you're going to receive tongues. No, he said you're going to receive power from on high. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So according to Jesus, the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is power. Somebody say power. power. Amen? Yeah. People speak in tongues. Yeah. So... Everybody say A-N, the word and, right? So tongues is an evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is an evidence, but it's not the evidence, amen? The evidence according to Jesus' power, amen? Amen? See, you got to know the plumb line. You got to know the standard so you can live up to it, amen? You got to know the word because the word, you know, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost, God working with man confirming what? The word, amen? Everybody wants his signs, wonders, and miracles, but few people want the word, amen? But the Holy Ghost confirms the what? The word. Somebody say the word. And then the signs and the wonders and the miracles happen, amen? Amen? So God working with who? Man. Everybody say man. Confirming the word. Say the word. And then come the miracles, amen? So there's the recipe for miracles, amen? God uses who? Man. Amen? He's looking for a man. 
The Bible says he looks throughout the whole earth searching for somebody that he may find favor in. Amen? And it's amazing when you begin to line up to God's word how you become one of those people that God will find. Amen? You pop up on God's radar. Amen? Because everything that's done outside of faith is sin. So it's, so it's absent from God. Amen? Like what your pastor was saying today about the offering. Amen? The offering is completely worthless if, you're, if you don't have a pure heart before the Lord. Amen? What good is it that you give whatever you give in the offering if you're going around talking bad about your pastor and gossiping and being, having a critical spirit? Amen? It's, it's pointless. Just keep your offering. You're going to need every last time. Amen? I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> if you gossip, you might as well just not even give in the offering. I'm just telling you right now. You know, rebellion in the Bible is described as witchcraft. You think somebody messing around with witchcraft is, is going to be a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord? You think that's going to be a sweet-smelling aroma? Somebody that's operating out of a spirit of witchcraft? Amen? It's no different to God. Amen? So we've got to have pure hearts. Amen? Remember, in the Old Covenant, it was outward circumcision. In the New Covenant, it's circumcision of the heart. The Holy Spirit wants to get in your heart, and he wants to purify your heart. Amen? When your motives are pure and your heart is lined up with his heart, then when you come with your gift, it becomes a sweet-smelling aroma and a sacrifice to him. Amen? Come on, somebody. You see, when the woman with the alabaster came to honor Jesus, everybody didn't understand what she was doing, but God saw her heart. Amen? It wasn't like Jesus was like, man, that's very expensive perfume. Hold on, everybody. You know, my God, this is like the most nice perfume, man. Did you get this at Nordstrom? My God, this is amazing. <laughs> he wasn't too impressed with the perfume, right? He was, ex- he, he was impressed with her heart of worship. Come on, somebody. Come on. So just recapping what we talked about yesterday, you go throughout the whole Bible, and you will find anywhere giving is highlighted, it's done out of an act of worship and honoring the Lord. Amen. And when you line up to the way things are supposed to be done, then your sacrifice will show up on God's radar, and it'll be a sweet-smelling aroma. Amen? Amen. And there's an important thing. Look, this is very important. The Bible says wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will also be. Amen? So money and finances is an extremely important part of your Christianity. It is an extremely part of of your Christianity, and and I'll prove it to you. We're going to go through this right now. Let's do it right now. Mm-mm-mm-mm. My God, okay. First of all, let me start off with this scripture and then we'll build from there. First Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to go on from here, amen? Verse 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, and I'm going to read from there. Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers whom you, be- whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase, amen? Everybody has their part to play. So, then either he who plants is anything or he who waters, but God gives the increase. Who gives the increase? Amen. So, we honor men of God. We honor those that God has put in authority over us. Amen. The the gift, they receive the gift on our behalf. It says that in Hebrews chapter 7, when you go and read, it says that God has men that receive the offerings here on earth for him. Amen. As priests. Amen. And that's new covenant talking about the tithe. Amen. So if you want to find the tithe in the new covenant, it's in Hebrews. Amen? You just got to read your Bible. Amen? Come on, somebody. And tithe and first fruits was instituted before the law anyway. So you just got to know your Bible. Amen? I plant. Okay, so, so neither he plants as anything, but God gives the increase. Everybody say, God gives the increase. 
That's why it's important to have pure. This conference is called Pure Conference because when your heart is pure and everything that you do comes out of a heart of love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, amen, and that becomes the basis of your Christianity, then your Christianity begins to function, amen? And you give God something to work with. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, now he who plants and he who waters are one. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Hmm. That's good, right? He who plants and he who waters. For, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Amen. Which is what I want to talk about today a little bit. Amen. Everybody say building. I want to be a builder, amen? According to the grace of God, which was given to me, a wise master builder, amen? I have laid a foundation and another builds on it. Somebody say foundation. Foundation. Your foundation is very important, amen? You have to allow the Lord to form you before you're made, amen? If If you make yourself before you're formed, then you'll fall apart because there'll be cracks in your foundation. Allow God to form you, amen? Preparation days are very important. David had to wait a long time to become king. Amen? So don't ever despise days of preparation. Amen? Pressing in to God's word. Amen? Letting God build a foundation of character and integrity. Amen? Putting, letting the Lord put in a contrite heart on the inside of you. Amen? Taking out the stony heart. Putting in the heart of flesh. Amen? How does that happen, Pastor Alex? That happens Romans chapter 12. Amen? I beseech you there, brethren, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, the kind that is acceptable. What is the kind that is acceptable? It's everything, amen? You got to lay down your life according to the flesh to have this life according to the spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. That's Romans chapter, chapter 7, Romans chapter 8, amen? One of them talks about living according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you'll fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you live by the spirit, amen, you'll have what? The things of the spirit, amen? So we are spiritual, amen? I am a spiritual man. I'm called to live out of my spirit. I'm not an emotional man, and I'm not a soulish man. Amen? I am a spiritual man. Somebody say, I am a spiritual man. I'm called to live out of my spirit. Amen? So my emotions and my feelings and my five senses has got nothing to do with how I function. Amen? If your emotions and your feeling have everything to do with how you function, you'll never be a man of faith. Amen? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. Come on, somebody. Amen? Spirit, amen? So we lay, in order to live that life of faith in the spirit, we have got to lay down and put on the altar this life of flesh, amen? So if we want to become a wise master builder, you've got to give up on life. You've got to check out on your plan for life, amen? You've got to say, Lord, look, Lord, I give up. I quit. Here's everything I have, Amen? It's amazing. A lot of people want to get touched and be baptized in fire, but you can't have fire without a sacrifice. Amen? Come on, somebody. Now, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'll talk about it just a little bit. Amen? Because I feel an unction to do it. Amen? When you look at Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 was actually written in the context of the sacrifice that they did in the Old Testament, if you follow it. Romans chapter 12, I beseech you there, brethren, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. One translation says the kind that is acceptable because the Apostle Paul was making reference of the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, there was a sacrifice that was acceptable and there was a sacrifice that was not acceptable. Is that true? Amen? 
Well, in Malachi chapter 3, and you can go back and, you know, read it for yourself, because I've got a lot of scriptures, and I just want to touch up on this area. Malachi chapter 3, there's a prophecy that talks about John the Baptist preparing the way for the Messiah. And it says that the messenger will come, and he will prepare the way for the Messiah. And then Jesus, it doesn't say Jesus because it's talking about the Messiah. It's talking about Jesus coming. It says he will come on the scene, and the Bible says that he will purify the sons of Levites, and they will offer unto him offerings of righteousness. Amen? So in our covenant, our offering that we bring to God is an offering of righteousness. It's your life. You come and lay down your life so that you can live this righteous life. Amen? In the Bible, when it's talking about Jesus in Malachi chapter 3, he says that he is the refiner's fire and the fuller's soap. Amen? So when there's a sacrifice, Jesus comes and steps in that fire and he begins to wash out all the weakness of the flesh because my friend the flesh is the unruly member amen the bible says the flesh is working at enmity with the word of god amen it fights the word of god and it's the weakness of man is in the flesh and the fire comes to deal with the weakness of man amen and the reason why it's important for me to talk about this is because you know i've been to many churches obviously not this church but in many churches, you come in and people, they want to bring you in and they're like, well, you know, we want to have a fire conference. We want to bring, we need some fire this week. This week? <laughs> Hold on a minute. Yeah, you know, brother, you know, I'm more of a teacher of the word, you know, and you're, you, you carry that fire and we need to bring, you know, you into the body because you're one of these fire guys and we want to bring you in to, to, to bring that fire because the church needs the fire and everybody's got their gifting and but 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 look it's very christianese but there's a it's all this justification to say you are the fire guy and i'm the teacher well let me tell you this the apostle paul wrote two-thirds of the new testament who had more fire than the apostle paul come on somebody hello and by the way the fire is not optional amen last time i checked jesus died on the cross for the very purpose of empowering you with his spirit Come on, somebody. Beneficial that I go away. Because when I do, I'm going to send you the what? The, the comforter, the advocate, the standby. Amen? Yeah. And you will receive what? Power. Dunamis power from on high. Amen? Come on, somebody. I'm a Pentecostal. I don't know if you figured that out by now. Hey. <laughs> Jesus dies on the cross. 50 days from the moment he rose from the dead is Pentecost. Amen? The Bible says he appeared to them for 40 days. They saw great miracles, signs, and wonders. I mean, think about it. What didn't the disciples see? Amen? What didn't they see? They saw Jesus walk on water. Peter himself walked on water. They saw, okay, you got to pay the taxes. Don't worry about the taxes. Let's go fishing. Fishing with Jesus, catching fish. The guy's like... You know, like freaked out, like all stressed out. Oh, my God, you know, Jesus wants to go fishing. I got to pay my taxes. <laughs> Caesar's going to come after me. My God. <laughs> and Jesus is like, he's catching, a, you know, he's like taking the hook off a of fish. And he's like, oh, you know, by the way, you know, you know that um, those taxes you need to pay? And like a magician, he just, whoosh, right? <laughs> look at that. Taxes are paid. Amen. He's the all... It's almost like he's the all-sufficient one or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Amen? So, I mean, think about all the amazing things. 
And we actually don't have recorded everything that Jesus says because the Bible tells us that it's not recorded. Yeah. The, the Bible says it could not be recorded. So, I mean, and, and just what is recorded is ridiculous of what the disciples got to experience and see for themselves. Yeah. Amen? But I want to tell you something. Can I tell you something? Can I clue you in on a little something? You just might get excited. I don't know. But it gets me real excited. Can I tell you? Are you hungry for it? Well, all the amazing things they saw. I mean, think about it. Jesus dies on the cross. He appears to them like a ghost. He comes in through the wall. I mean, think about that. That's, that's pretty ridiculous, right? Comes in through the wall. He's like, hey, Thomas, what's up now? Huh? Told you I was the Messiah. You believe me now? I believe. <laughs> what's up now, Thomas? Come on. <laughs> you going to doubt me now? Amen. So, look, they saw a lot of amazing things. Amen. Now we're going from one covenant to the other covenant. Because remember, Jesus' ministry was under the old covenant. So when did the new covenant begin under Jesus' ministry? Well, it began at the very end of this ministry. When the Bible says, right before he went to heaven, the Bible says he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. So now they were sealed and they were born again. Can I get an amen? amen. So now we're in the new covenant. Somebody say, we're in the new covenant. We're in the new covenant. So I mean, imagine, imagine being in those days. Come here. It's almost like Jesus was with his disciples in the old covenant. And, they, and he's like, all right, boys, we're about to, you're about to step into this thing with me, the dispensation of grace. Come on, let's do it together. And they stepped over into the new covenant together. He brought them into the new covenant. Think about that. Think about that transition. Thank you, brother. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I don't know. I just think about these things. I, it's, like, it's like Jesus brought them into the new covenant. Everybody say now. Now. Now, now they're in the new covenant. So it's the first thing, the first instruction that we get being new covenant believers, and it's the last thing Jesus told his disciples. Very important. And he said, now that we're in the new covenant, and the new covenant has started, now that you're born again, the most important thing that I have to tell you is that you have to tarry to be endued with power. Because you can't do this thing without power. And now I breathed on you the Holy Ghost. But this flesh that you carry is going to fight this Holy Ghost. Because you're not called to be a carnal man. You're called to be a spiritual man. So we've got to deal with this carnality. Amen? But I have an altar prepared for those that want to deal with their carnality. And he said, now you got to wait and tarry to be endued with power from on high. Amen? What's the difference between Peter? Remember, Peter walked on water himself, but still denied Jesus three times. Why? Because of the weakness of his flesh. Amen? That weakness had to be dealt with. But as soon as that sacrifice became acceptable and the fire came, the fire comes to purify. Amen? That's what the fire is all about. People talk about the fire and the glory of God, you know, but there's no doctrine to it. Oh, I want the fire. Yeah, I, Lord, touch me with your fire. The fire is not a touch. The fire is an altar where you place your life in the flesh and you keep it there. Come 
And as long as your life is dead in Christ, crucified with Christ, the fire of God will stay on your life. But as soon as it crawls off the altar and it wants to decide what, to do whatever it wants to do, its feelings and impulsions, and you begin to follow that, you no longer have the fire. I'm telling you. The fire is allowing the Holy Ghost to burn out the identity of the flesh. Amen? We are not flesh. Amen? It's very hard to be born again. I'm going to make a powerful statement. It's very hard to be born again if you don't believe you're born again. The problem with Christianity. Christians that call themselves Christians that don't believe they're born again. So are they Christians? Think about it. If we're born again, if you are born again, then that means you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, faith without works is dead. That means that God believes what you do, not what you say. Amen? If there's no fruit to what you're saying, God doesn't believe it. It's not faith. Faith without works is dead. Amen? So how can you be born again if you don't believe you're born again? Most Christians struggle and live in their past. Is that person really born again? I don't know. God, God has not called us to, to judge any man's salvation. We're called to judge the fruit. Hmm, you know what? Doesn't look like a Christian. I don't know. We'll know on judgment day. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want to take the chance. But if they want to, you know what? It doesn't smell like a Christian, doesn't look like a walk like a Christian, doesn't talk like a Christian. I don't want to be him on judgment day. But, you know, I'm only called to judge the fruit. I can't judge a man's soul. That's God's job. But we are called to judge. People say don't judge. What are you talking about? Judge a man after its fruit. It's Bible. Amen? You judge the fruit, you don't condemn anybody to hell. Because we're not God. Only God can do that. Amen? It's very hard to be born again without fire. Because the fire comes to, to burn out who you think you are according to the flesh. Amen? In the flesh, I was born in Puerto Rico. Puerto Ricans are very proud to be Puerto Rican. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm Puerto Rican, my God. You know? Everybody, you know, but my, I'm not proud to be a Puerto Rican anymore. I'm a child of the Most High God. I don't draw my identity from my ethnicity or my race. Amen? I'm a child of the Most High God. I've been redeemed and purchased with a high price. I am part of the royal priesthood. Amen. I am an ambassador of the kingdom of God. That is who I am. Try to talk me out of it. You can't because I've surrendered this life in the flesh. I threw it in the fire and I let him come and burn. Just burn it up, God. I don't even know what I'm doing. Anyways. Amen. Very easy to lay down your life when you don't have much going on. Amen. But when you're, loud, when you're proud and you have all these accolades and you're just this prestigious person, then it becomes very hard to lay down your life. Amen? That's why the Bible says it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why? Because he's, he, for him to lay down who he is after the flesh is very difficult. But for me, it's very easy because I was really good at messing up. Amen? And it became a gift. Amen? When you are in control of your life, and you're always flipping the car over, and crashing the thing, and breaking the thing, and Jesus is on the passenger side, and he's like, man, you're going to let me take the wheel? I'm like, you know what? You might as well take the wheel, because I don't mess this thing up ten times. Amen? But if you think you got it going on, no, Jesus, I got it. I know where I'm going. 
All right. All right, bro. Do your thing. Let's see what you got. Right? So that's what the fire is for. The fire is to come to burn out everything that is not of God. To purify you. Amen? People grow up being abused. The fire comes to burn that out. Amen? So even the memory of it. Amen? Burn out personalities, attitudes, burn out indifference, amen, to the things of God. That's what it comes to do. Everybody wants to come to an altar for a touch. The Holy Spirit is not a touch. He's a person, and you got to let him work. And he works. The way that he works and what he works with is called fire, and he wants to refine you. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire, amen, but he uses the fire to wash you. Amen? To cleanse you, to purify you. That's what this whole fire is about. Everybody wants to talk about the fire. Everybody wants an emotional experience. But it's not about an emotional experience. It's not about a learned response. It's about allowing that fire to come. Lord Jesus, just come and burn everything out. My God, let there be no memory of me left. Just come and burn it all out, Lord Jesus. I take no pride in who I am in the flesh. I am nothing without you. Please come. Burn it all out. Let there be nothing left of me. Amen? And then that Holy Spirit that Jesus breathed on them can rise up big. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And he's not going to be fighting your flesh to take over your soul. My God. (laughs) You see, there's a war. There's an internal battle of who is in control of your soul. You're either going to be a carnal man dominated by your feelings and your emotions, or you're going to be a spiritual man. The Holy Ghost lives in your spiritual man, and he wants to be in control of your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. But if we don't deal with this unruly member of the flesh, then there's a fight, and the Holy Ghost will not fight because he's a gentleman. He's not going to come over to your flesh and be like, you, I'm sick of you. You need to get out of here. No, he's a gentleman. You, as the soulish person, your mind, your will, and the emotions, you have got to make the decision to say, you know what? I'm sick of you. We're burning you up. I'm coming with you. I'm going to live out of my spirit. Forget you. I'm done with the flesh. Come on, somebody. That's why Abraham can say, the Bible says that Abraham considered not the deadness in his body and the deadness in Sarah's womb, but he just believed God because he wasn't a carnal man. He lived out of his spirit. And it was accounted unto him as righteous. In a different dispensation, Abraham tapped into what we have because he believed. Imagine having that kind of faith. Accounted unto him as righteous because of how much faith he had. God was like, you know what? I was saving this for these guys over here, but I'm going to give it to this guy. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. So everybody say, I want to be a builder. You cannot build and be a master builder like we're talking about here. Always fighting the impulses and the desires and the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Amen? These things are designed to come in through your flesh to domineer and control your soul. And we've got to close the door, and that's what the fire of God is about. Closing the weakness of the flesh, closing that door. 
Amen? So all the flesh is good for is to be burned. As a matter of fact, look, I'm just going to tell you right now. As a matter of fact, in the old covenant, when they skinned the animal, they took all the innards. This is, how, this is how God, this is what God thinks about flesh. That's why it's important to read the old covenant. Because there's so many types and shadows that speak to us now. This is what God thinks about flesh. He's like, all right, when you prepare the animal to bring him on the altar, I want you to cut up the animal, take all the innards of the animal, and bring that to burn that. The flesh, get it out of my, I don't even want to see it. Take it outside the temple, somewhere where I can't see it. That's what God thinks about flesh. I don't even want to see it. Amen? So you, look, who you are is not flesh. You're not this carnal person. But the problem is this, and this is why I'm talking about this today. The problem is this. Most Christians use their identity in the flesh to determine what they can and cannot do for God. You base all your limitations of what you can and cannot do based on your identity in the flesh. Who your friends are, who your mother and father are, what your demographic is, what your ethnicity is, blah, 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 blah. We use all these excuses that are based in the flesh to determine what God can and cannot do. But I said it yesterday and I'll say it again. The Bible says, before I formed you in your mother's womb. So if we're talking about before we're being formed in the mother's womb, is there flesh? No. We're talking about before flesh, right? But we're still talking about you, right? Mm. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, flesh ain't got nothing to do with what I'm going to do in your life. I place the call and I place gifts on the inside of you. What has flesh got to do with it? Amen? Tina should have wrote a song on that. <laughs> it's got to do with it. What's flesh? <laughs> Amen? What's flesh got to do with it? Amen? Flesh is always going to be fighting for its control. Living out of your flesh is living out of survival. It, it's survival. It's survival of the fittest. It's Darwinism to live out of your flesh. Survival of the fittest. It's your animalistic nature. It's your lustful impulses. You're not called to live out of your flesh. You're not an emotional person. You're not a carnal person. You are a spiritual person. Amen? Amen? If you find yourself being tormented in your mind all the time, and you go and your emotions go up, go down, yeah, one day you're happy, one day you're upset, you're a loose cannon, blah, 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 blah. That's an unstable man. That man is unstable in all of his ways because he does not know which nature he wants to operate out of. So one day he's operating out of the flesh. He's a carnal man. The other day he wants to be a spiritual man. And he becomes a wavering man. And that man, the Bible says, will get nothing and receive nothing from the Lord. You've got to make a decision who and what nature you're going to live out of. Can I get an amen? amen. My God, I am a spiritual man. I am a Holy Ghost tongue-talking spiritual man. I do not confer with flesh. I confer with the Word of God. I don't ask my feelings what we're going to do today. I command my body. You foul body, I'm a, you do what I tell you. I'm in control. Amen? I'm not a carnal man. I'm a spiritual man. If you're a carnal man, you're, you're dominated by your senses. You can't have faith. We're called to live by faith and not by sight. But when you're a carnal man... You live by sight. What does that mean? You're constantly taking evidence from this carnal reality to determine what your reality is. When God tells us that we're supposed to be 
hearkening to his word, and that becomes our reality. Not what we see, but what he says. Mm. And that's how you can overcome anything in life. I'm not moved by the mountain. I move the mountain. The mountain doesn't move me. Amen? People, look, and I'm going to tell you this, and this is a secret to the anointing. And it's not a secret. It's in the Bible, but a lot of people don't know this. You're either going to move things or things are going to move you. That's how faith works. You know, if I had two people in front of me, one has cancer, the other one has a, um, a headache, right? Now, they're both spirits of infirmity. Is that true? Right? We have authority over spirits of infirmity. We have authority over all devils in the name of Jesus last time I checked. Amen? But the knowledge of good and evil tells me this one's worse and this one's incurable. A foreign knowledge to the word of God. It's the knowledge of good and evil. It tells me that this one's very hard and this one's easy. And you confer with that knowledge and you allow that to become your reality. So then when you pray for cancer, you think it's hard. Who said it's hard? Where are they? Who are these people? Why is it hard? Who said? God's like, why is it hard? Why? Hold on a minute. Hold on. I got to look over the research papers. Angels, bring me the research papers on cancer. I got to see why it's hard. It's just the devil like the other one. What's the problem? Actually, as a matter of fact, before Pentecost, I gave them my name, and I told them they can drive out devils with my name. That's even before Pentecost. Why are we worried about this thing? That the only reason it moves you is because it moves you. Amen? If you're soulish and you're a carnal person, then you live by the knowledge of good and evil. And this knowledge will determine to you what you can and cannot do. So now when you go to cancer, you don't come boldly to cancer. You come boldly to headache. Oh, headache, I command you to go. In the name of Jesus, uh, come up now. And then somebody's got, somebody tells you cancer as soon as you hear cancer. You're trying to act on the outside that it doesn't move you, but on the inside you're, yeah, you know how we, huh, yeah. Lord, I pray if it be your will. Where's it, what happened to the boldness? Amen? If it moves you, you can't move it. Amen? The best thing you can do with yourself is be honest with yourself, which is very hard for people for some reason. Everyone wants to pretend like they are the most holy Christian that, that anybody's ever met. Everybody wants to pretend, oh, yeah, cancer, oh, no, I'll pray for the cancer. But deep down inside, you don't really believe that God can heal cancer. And you've got to deal with that in your prayer closet. You've got to put this flesh and the knowledge of it and everything that you've gathered up and all the evidence of what science says, and you've got to go and put it at the altar. And you've got to say, I don't care what science says. I don't live my life by Darwinism and science and theories and blah, 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 blah. I live on the word of the Lord. And I'm going to be like a child, and I'm going to receive what he says. That's it. People not just only do that, but then they begin to do things like this. You know, they come pray for sister. Let's say something happened with sister. They pray for sister. Oh, my God. Lord, we pray for sister to be healed. And then, so we go a couple days, and we come back to sister, and sister's not healed. And uh, you're not healed? What do you mean you're not healed? Okay, we're going to pray for sister again. Pray for sister again. Then we come back, she's not healed. Hmm. Well, you know what we're going to do, sister? We're going to fast. 
You know what? Because I've been praying and I have faith, but God's not moving. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to fast to make God move. Because for some reason, he's not moving. And the problem surely is not with me because I got faith. So I'm going to pray and fast for four days. And I'm going to make God move with my fasting and my prayer. Who do you think you are? There's a word I want to add in there, but, you know, use your imagination. Who do you think you are? What are you implying? You know, it's amazing how people, look, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to give you some clues as to why people don't get miracles and don't receive their breakthroughs. You can't go around blaming God and not taking any personal accountability for your Christianity and your lack of faith and, and then imply that it's God's fault and expect to get a miracle next time you pray. God is either good or not. His word is true or it's not. But now, hold on a minute, we prayed for brother, and we have faith. And now brother died, and we don't know what happened. But you know, when we get to heaven, we're going to know what happened. Because we did everything right. Surely I didn't do nothing wrong. We did everything right. We prayed. We even fasted. But you know what? Well, it'll remain a mystery why brother didn't get healed. Really, it'll remain a mystery. I thought 2,000 years ago at Calvary's cross it was finished and the price was paid. Was it not or was it not or was it? Come on. You got to make up your mind. You want to hear faith? I'm going to give you a story on faith. Rashad, Meshach, and Abednego. This is a decree that goes out in the land. And they say, if you don't bow to this idol, we're going to throw you in this furnace. You guys know the story. You know what was Rashad, Meshach, and Abednego's response? This is faith. This is the voice of faith. He said, we are not going to bow because we don't bow to idols. We only serve one God. And we don't bow to idols. And our God will deliver us from your hands. And even if he doesn't, we still will not bow. You understand? That's faith. But people want to go and defend their faith. They want to go defend maybe their guru's faith then try to go and blame God because you're really implying the blame on God. We don't know what happened. You know, we did everything right. We're so, we're so perfect and righteous, and God just didn't show up. And we're going to find out when we get to heaven, we're going to ask him why he didn't show up. My friend, it's not that God didn't show up. The Bible says, by your stripe, by his stripes, you are healed. Jesus already paid the penalty for everybody's healing 2,000 years ago at Calvary's cross. If somebody doesn't get healed, it's because we did something wrong. That's a fact. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hammer in on this. I'm going to give you a good example, and I think you'll get it after this. People pray for somebody that has cancer or they die. It's amazing to me that all the people that are praying for that person to get healed of cancer never saw one person get healed of cancer because they actually never prayed for anybody to be healed of cancer. But now that the person has cancer, now they have magical faith to move cancer. You understand what I'm saying? What am I trying to tell you? What I'm trying to tell you is this. Don't wait till somebody has cancer to get faith to heal cancer. Because it might be too late. And most people can't fill the gap at the last minute. People try to go and fill in the gap at the last minute. 
pretending like they believe in something they never believed. And I'll, and I'll prove it to you. Because if you actually believe that God heals cancer, you'd be looking for people. You'd be going to cancer institutions and cleaning them out. Am I lying or am I saying the truth? Now, if you believe that God can heal cancer, you would be going in the emergency rooms, in the highways, and the byways, and praying for somebody to get healed of cancer. Now, faith without works is dead. That's what my Bible says. If you don't apply your faith, my friend, it is not faith. And when you need faith, you might not have it because you never applied it. Come on, let's talk about it. Personal accountability is a powerful thing. You know what personal accountability does? This is what personal accountability does. If I want to go to Miami and I don't know where I am, the first thing I do is I pull up my phone, I go on Google Maps, and I hit that little circle, right? The little circle positions me exactly where I am. And now that I know where I am, I can type in the address and get somewhere. Amen? But how am I going to get to Miami if, I'm, if I already think I'm in Miami? Let's say I'm in Orlando, and I'm trying to get to Miami. But I'm in Orlando, and I'm trying to get to Miami. And I tell somebody, I'm already in Miami. The guy's like, no, you're in Orlando. No, I'm in Miami. The guy's going to look at you like you're crazy because you don't know where you're at. If you don't know where you're at, then how are you ever going to get to the destination you want to? My God, listen to me. The only way you will know where you are at in life, where you can position yourself and know where you are at, your heart, your faith, your lack thereof, whatever, is the Word of God. There's a great scripture in the Bible, in the Bible that's, that talks about the Apostle Paul, and he says this. He says, in my own self, making up whatever is lacking to make the Word of God fully known to you. That's personal accountability. Who's the greatest teacher Who's greater? Who has more revelation? The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he wrote in Scripture, I make up whatever is lacking in myself with the Word to make the Word of God fully known to you. The Apostle Paul said this, I'm running this race. And people are looking at the Apostle Paul like, man, you're, you're a superstar. You're doing amazing in this race. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm running this race, casting off every weight. Even though he was a great apostle, he was still contending for a higher way. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? He was still pressing in for the higher mark, that higher calling. Amen? But Christians nowadays in America, they don't apply their faith. They never pray for anybody to get healed. They don't have faith. Why? Because there's no actions. And now when a tragedy happens, everybody's got faith. And then they blame God on top of that. I told my wife this one day. I said to my wife this. And this is how I run my home. Because every man in this place, you are the priest of your home. Amen? I told my wife one day, I said this. I said, honey, I'm going to tell you how much I believe in God's word. I'm going to tell you how much I believe in God. My Bible says his ways are perfect. Amen? His promises are yes and amen. I, I choose not to believe anything else. I told, I told my wife this, if anything were ever to happen to me, tragic, don't ever blame God, it's my fault, for his way is perfect. And who are we men to even begin to even imply, to even point the finger at a perfect God? God is only but good, honey. And if we miss the mark, we miss the mark. But God is good, and his ways are perfect, and his promises are yes and amen. And if we come up short, we come up short. Well, we're never going to be one of those people that is going to say, oh, we just don't know what happened. No, my friend, make up what is lacking. If somebody, look, if there's tragedies that happen, we're going to miss people. It's a shame. Yes, it is a shame. But it's a greater shame on top of the tragedy to go around blaming God. And then people are offended at God. 
We don't know what happened. Yes, we do know what's happening. Why is everybody saying we don't know what happened? Was it finished at Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago? Is Jesus, does Jesus have to crawl, up, crawl from the throne, come back to earth, and die again for somebody else's sickness and disease? No, it is finished. And is it for everybody? Let me, let, I'll, I'll say another thing. The Bible says that God wishes that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Are people going to perish? He wishes that all are healed. Amen? He wishes that all prosper. Amen? God wishes that all prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. But are people going to struggle financially? Are they going to struggle with sickness? Yes. But is that God's best? No. Because we know what he did on the cross, and we know what he wishes for us. That's why the Bible, that's why the Apostle Paul says, he says, he says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. He didn't say the certainty because you still have choice. It's the hope of it. Amen? There's a big difference between hope and faith. Amen? Hope, the best way I can describe hope, hope is the trailer of what could be. Amen? You ever gone to the movies and you see a trailer of the movie, right? Hope is the trailer of the inheritance and all the wonderful things God wants to do in your life. And the Lord will speak this word of hope over your life, a prophecy. God will burn it on the inside of you, all the things, all the wonderful things God wants to do in your life. And it becomes this wonderful hope, like, wow, amen? But it's only hope, amen? Well, you can't live by hope. We're not people of hope, we're people of faith. So what's the difference between hope and faith? Faith takes the hope of the word, believes it, and acts on it. My friend, your life will always be hope. You'll always hope, 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 hope. And a lot of people live by hope. They pray for people, and they hope that they will get healed. We don't minister by hope. We minister by faith. And faith calls it done. But if you're looking at the evidence in the natural, you won't call it done. And cancer is a very interesting one. And I wasn't going to talk about this, but I feel an unction to do it, so I'm going to. Cancer is a very interesting one because cancer can be very elusive. And the reason why cancer could be very elusive is because cancer, and it's amazing how science really, it really just confirms what's actually happening in the spirit. To me, it's like, a, it's like 100% confirmation of what the Bible, when the Bible talks about the spirit of infirmity. Amen? All of your cells know exactly what to do. Amen? So in the morning, your white blood cells wake up. They have breakfast, and they know exactly what to do. Amen? Your red blood cells know exactly what to do. Is that true? Who tells them what to do? They're pretty intelligent little things. Amen? The Bible says in the beginning God spoke. Amen? And he spoke to all these things, and everything God spoke, and it has an order, and it has a function. Amen? They're running God's program. Amen? Now, sin came to disrupt God's perfect program. Amen? That's what sin does. It comes to distort, to pervert what God made perfect. Now, that cell knows exactly what to do. Every single day it does it. Now, what the spirit of infirmity does, let's say somebody's gossiping, criticizing, they're very bitter, they have all this unforgiveness in their heart, and there's a clear open door for the spirit of infirmity to come in. And what the spirit of infirmity does, he comes in in a person's body, and he goes and he finds a weak cell. And he perverts it. And he turns it into a free radical. So he turns that 
perfectly functioning cell into a free radical cell. What's a free radical? You know what a free radical cell in your body is? It's a cell that's running a different program. Now, look at this. That free radical of cancer is running the program of cancer. And it knows how to create cancer mm -hmm. with perfection. I mean, it does it. That thing functions, doesn't it? Yeah. How does it function? How does it know to do that? How does it know to do that to take your life? Think about it, people. As a matter of fact, if you didn't have an immune system, the common flu would kill everybody in this room. When, an, when any, actually any sickness, any sickness, any bacteria in the world, if you didn't have an immune system, it'll take your life. Because all sickness, all sickness comes to take your life. All of it. God's given us an immune system. Thank God. Thank God some people have an immune system because they don't have faith. They're going to need it. I promise you. It's a safety net. Amen? But I want to tell you this. Every single sickness in your body came in your body to take your life. And if, you're, and if you didn't have an immune system, it would take your life. So why am I telling, Pastor Oz, why are you telling me this? Because that's the way you need to look at sickness and disease. You get a headache, you take a Tylenol, I'm not worried about it. No, you foul devil, how dare you trespass into my body? You're going to try to come and take my life? I curse you like Jesus cursed a fig tree. And when you begin to deal with the common flu or the headache like that, then you can deal with cancer. But you let things slide, and you don't apply your faith when you should. And you use all these crutches instead of your faith. So then your faith, you're never actually practicing it with your faith. You're never exercising the muscle of faith. Come on, people. And then when you need it, it's not there. Don't play around with sickness and disease. All of it is designed to take your life. This is a medical fact. I'm not talking nonsense here. Cancer is different because your immune system can't deal with the cancer. So now you get concerned about the cancer. But anytime sickness and disease comes on your children, in your house, you take authority over it, you drive that thing out. Amen. Don't put up with sickness and disease ever. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Pull out the shotgun in the Holy Ghost. You invader, you intruder. You get out now. In the name of Jesus. Can I go a little deeper? Yeah. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I just felt to. So I said cancer is a little bit elusive, and I'm going to share with you why. And I'm going to share with you why a lot of times people don't get healed of their cancer. Because cancer is a free radical, and what the thing is doing is it's radicalizing other cells. It comes, it uses other cells for fuel, and then it converts those cells into free radicals, and they start spreading and spreading and spreading. Amen? As a matter of fact, there's a lot of viruses that are like that. Even uh, in, in Africa, malaria is like that. Malaria is a little, it's a little freaking devil thing. My God, this is a little wicked demon thing. It injects itself into red blood cells. Eats everything in the red blood cells. Then it multiplies. It gives birth to a bunch of, the, of them. And the cell begins to grow into a burst. And then all those ones find red blood cells. And they do the same and same and same until you're dead. That's how malaria works. My wife had malaria in South Africa, and she, and it was trying to take her life. And if we, and if I didn't have faith, she probably wouldn't be here today. Amen. The doctor told us that it was very advanced, and that she might not make it. Is what she told. Is what the doctor told us when we were in Africa. So I went in the bathroom, and I did business with God. I'm not a victim. 
I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That means I don't just conquer. I conquer this, and then I conquer that, and I'm looking for the next thing. Amen? Come on, somebody. My God, I'm not, I'm not, I don't live by sight. I live by the word of the Lord. Amen? So now, let's go back to this cancer thing, because I do want to smack this thing upside the head. And we're going to pray for anybody that's got cancer in this place. In Jesus' name. So this mass, it comes and it starts building this mass. The mass is just, it's just tissue. Now, let me ask you this. Why does the mass continue to grow? Because there is a spirit of infirmity that's animating it to grow. It's a life in your body that's a different life. It's a foreign life that's living inside your body. That's the truth. It's a tumor. So you live as a being that God created perfectly, right? Now, when this thing comes and intrudes, it's running a different program. It's a life living in your body that's not a part of your body. But something's animating that thing in the body to grow. And it's not God's program. It's the enemy's program. That's why they call it a free radical. But you got to understand, it's the spirit of infirmity that makes it a free radical. Are you listening to me? So now, when I take authority over cancer, right, in the name of Jesus, the Bible says every name is subject to the name of Jesus. Is that true? The name that is above every name, cancer, AIDS, whatever it is, we can drive it out in the name of Jesus. Do we have any believers in the house? So when I command that spirit of infirmity to leave your body, guess what leaves your body? Let me ask you this. What leaves your body? Does the mass leave your body, or, is it, or does the spirit that animates the mass leave your body? The spirit that animates the mass leaves your body, because we're taking authority over the spirit. So if you went back to the doctor, the lump would still be there. But didn't we just drive out the devil that animates it? But it's just a dead lump. But if you don't believe what you say you believe, When you go back to the doctor and he says the mass is still there, you're going to say, I still have cancer, and the thing will come right back. And it actually comes back seven times worse. That's why you can't play around with your faith. Do not play around with your life. You either believe this or you don't. Don't play around with cancer. Don't call the thing back because it's going to bring some friends, and they're all designed to take your life. Listen to me. There's a difference. One of the nine gifts of the Spirit is creative miracles. One of the nine gifts of the Spirit is healing. They're two totally different things, creative miracles and healing. Some evangelists, and a lot of evangelists, they have the gift of healing. People get healed of sickness and disease. So healing deals with sickness and disease and infirmity. The working of miracles deals with creative miracles. They're not both the same thing. They're two totally different gifts. Amen? Now, you might be saying, sitting in your seat, well, I don't have... Either one of those gifts. Well, my friend, you don't need either one of those gifts to get somebody healed. All you need is the prayer of agreement. All you need is the measure of faith and come and agree. That's the touch in anything. Amen? So we have power when we come in agreement. But now when somebody has the gift of healing, they carry the miracle. They are a walking miracle producing machine. And they already carry the miracle. When you walk under that anointing of the ministry of healing or creative miracles... It's no longer faith. You have. You know, when you have faith, it's you're believing. When you, when you walk in the anointing of healing, you have the miracle. So you minister the miracle. That's how it is. That's how the gifts of the Spirit operate. 
And when somebody's operating under a gift, whatever they do always happens. If it doesn't happen, they're not operating under a gift. Why do I say this? The reason I'm telling you this is because removing the mass of cancer is a creative miracle. And not everybody walks in creative miracles. Amen? Some people have that gift of the Spirit called creative miracles. Amen? You understand what I'm saying? But just because the mass is there doesn't mean that the cancer is not gone. Amen? And that's just the word. That's why it's important to know the way these things function. The Bible says that we need to be aware of the enemy's devices, how he functions. Amen? And the Lord will give you insight and wisdom. Amen? If I drive the spirit of infirmity out, it's going to come out. And I believe that person is healed. And if the mass is dead in your body, your immune system will just dissolve it. And it will leave your body. That's a fact. If somebody breaks their bone physically, to put that bone together requires a creative miracle. It's one of the nine gifts of the spirit. Not everybody walks in that. Amen? That's why we have to recognize the gifts that God gives us. Amen? As the body of Christ, to edify the body. Everybody's gifted differently. You might have the gift of faith. You might have this gift. And I'll tell you this. Look, everybody in this place has one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. It might be working of miracles, discerning of spirits. I don't know what it is. But you all have one of the nine gifts. To some, to some, to some. Amen? If you're not favored with the gift God's already given you, then why would he give you another one? Because the Apostle Paul tells us we can covet the gifts. So you can actually be faithful with the gift that you have and covet other gifts. And the Lord will continue to increase you. Amen? There's another scripture in the Bible that says, run your race lest any man steal your crown. That means that the inheritance that God's given you, if you forfeit it, somebody else will come and pick that thing up. And they'll have your eternal treasure for eternity. Hmm. That's the fear of God if I ever heard it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Think about it. You're in heaven and somebody's walking around with your crown. Like your name is scratched off of him. It's like... <laughs> Their name is like, put it on the side. They're just like, you know, like, run your race lest any man steal your crown. My God. I'll give you an example. You know, the Lord's called this man, and he's given him an anointing for this region. Amen? Mm-hmm. And what they do in this region, they'll export. Amen? So there's a, there's a powerful call of God on this ministry. Right? God called him to this region. Is that true? Yes. That means... There's a supporting cast of gifts that God's going to bring to lift up his hands. That's the way this thing works. Amen? If people don't want to show up and do their part, God will raise up somebody else. You know what they'll do? Because God still called him, and God is going to, look, the ministry is going to be blessed because of what they do. What they sow, not what you sow. God will bless him in this ministry based on what they do. If they're pure and they do things right, God will increase them. It's funny because people come to pastors with this, like, chip on their shoulder. Hey, Pastor, you know, I really feel like the Lord's leading me to be an usher. Oh, really? Yeah, I prayed. It's what the Lord told me. And then so you tell them, okay, um, next Sunday come an hour early. And they kind of like, and they walk away and they snicker, get in the car with their wife. You know, I told the pastor I was going to come and serve, but, you know, I mean, can you believe it? He told me to come an hour early. Could you believe it? My God, here I am helping him, and he's going to come and tell me to come an hour early. Unbelievable. This is the thing. This is the thing. I'm going to tell you something, guys. I'm going to tell you something. It will help you out. I'm going to tell you something. He doesn't need your help because his help comes from above. And if you don't see the privilege in lifting up his hands and what God's called him to do, and you can't get a hold of the heart of the vision, that's on you. And you know what you do 
if you were called to be that usher, you lay that down, and somebody, somebody else will come that was faithful with another assignment, and God will give them your assignment. Hmm. So don't ever come around this man of God with a chip on your shoulder acting like you're helping him. Who are you? What, what have, whatever have you ever built in your life? No, I'm serious. People need to humble themselves. Like, you're going to come and help me. Okay, what, what have you built? You ever built a church before? No. What have you ever built in your life? No, nothing. I just work a nine to five. Why do I say that? You know why I say that? It's because the reason why people are stuck working jobs they don't like is because they don't recognize covenant relationships. My friend, when you are all by yourself trying to do your own thing, it's very hard to build anything. If I'm going to build a house and I'm going to go do it by myself, I'm going to be there for a really long time. And I'm going to tell you this. There are things that I can do when I'm building a house. I'm pretty good at putting up drywall. I suck at painting. My, I, God, I suck at painting. I mean, I can try hard, and I suck at painting. Putting down tile, I suck at it. Amen? There are things that I'm good at, and there's things that I'm always going to suck at. So you might eventually get something done, but it'll look like crap. That's why we got to recognize the gift in our brothers. Amen? We have to recognize each other's giftings and know where God wants us. How? By the Holy Ghost praying. Lord, who is my pastor? That's a good question to ask. You line yourself up spiritually to where God has you, and you know that's where your gift functions. You find your place where your gift functions, and you become efficient. And now you are a faithful person that's showing up to your kingdom assignment. That's somebody that God will bless. Amen? Come on, somebody. But if you don't help, guess what? God's just going to raise up somebody else. That's unfortunate. Come and help. Come and serve. Amen? I know it's called help, but, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm going to come help you. But it's a lot of times what is implied. You want me to tell you what's implied? Want me to go a little deeper? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and help you. It's amazing how you wouldn't say that to your boss. You show up to work, like, afraid because he's going to sign your check. Right? Now, that same usher comes to the church, and Pastor Nicholas comes, or somebody, in the church and says, you know, you know I, remember I told you, I told you to do the, the chairs like this and do them like this, and, and you keep doing them wrong every single Sunday, so I'm just going to show you again. And the guy's like, <laughs> that's how he is on the inside. On the outside, he's like, oh, yes, Pastor, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and he's like, oh, man, does this guy know I'm here helping him? I'm like volunteering here, and he can't even see that I'm here to help him. Oh, my God. Serving him, taking my time. If I were to take that same person in the beginning of the whole thing and I told him, you know what? You know, I know you're called to be an usher, you know, but we're very blessed in this house. And, you know, we're going to give you $100,000 a year to do that. We just want to be a blessing to you. Oh, my God. Guess what? Guess how that person is going to come next week when he tells him the chairs are not done right? Oh, my God. Yes, Pastor. Woo! I'm going to get the chairs done. I'm telling you right now. I'm actually going to break out a ruler in this place and a leveler, and this thing's going to be perfect. Because the only covenant that you ever know is money. You only have a covenant with mammon. I'm going to tell you right now, Americans only respect money. And when they begin to respect the things of God and honor the things of God and have covenants, spiritual covenants, everything's going to start changing in America. And the reason why this country's messed up is because men only have covenants with mammon. It's very hard to have spiritual covenants with no fire because your flesh will always manifest. That's why I led with that. 
Your flesh will always manifest if there's nothing in it for it. What's in it for me? The flesh is always about leverage. What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this transaction? The flesh is selfish. If you don't allow the fire of God to deal with the flesh and we don't start there, my friend, you're going to be a walking offense every time you come and try to do anything for God. Because when you live according to the flesh, the only thing you know is to have covenants with mammon. People will literally go to work. Their boss will curse them out. And they will show up the next day. Here I am, soldier. Can I please have another? Is that true? But now let me tell you this. I'm a pastor, so I know how it goes. If I were to go to somebody, not even rebuke, but just a reprove, they would wait a week. And then, and then after that week, they would say, hey, you know, Pastor, you know, I really don't feel, I feel a different season in my life. And uh, I feel the Lord transitioning me. <laughs> I feel a different wave. So I'm not ushering anymore, brother. You want to know the turnover rate in the helps ministry? Let me ask you this. Would we have turnover rate in the health ministry if we were paying you $100,000 a year? So that fact just proves to you where men have their hearts. Am I saying the truth or not? Come on, church. So, look, we need to be, this church needs to be a church in the health ministry that's about that life. We're about this kingdom life. My covenant is not with money and mammon. My covenant is with the things of God. So when we come and we do the things of God, we do it and let it be done. And after it's done, everybody knows it's been done. Amen. That's how I do anything for God. Don't ever allow the things you do for money to become greater commitments than the things that you do for God. That's why people are not blessed. Everybody wonders why they're not blessed. But the only authority you submit to is your boss because he signs your check. It's amazing the things that people will do for money. You know, like, I remember I had a couple in my church. They were about to get a divorce. I mean, the thing was a train smash. So they come. The power of God hits them. They both get delivered. Their marriage is restored. They're doing great. I'm a happy pastor because I'm seeing people develop. So they come to me, and they're like, yo, pastor, you, we've, we've been praying for God to prosper us. And, um, you know, um, my job's giving us a promotion, and I'm like, oh, great. You know, they're, they're giving a 75-cent promotion, my God. And, you know, and, uh, man, we've been praying so hard. And, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, they're actually going to gonna pay for our housing. And, uh, man, it's great. So I just want to let you know we're moving to another state. So you mean to tell me you're going to forfeit your spiritual covering, your church, your pastor, over 75-cent raise? Welcome to America. Where the only thing people respect is money, and we wonder why we don't have signs and wonders and miracles like third world countries. If you don't honor the gift that God's brought into your life, you can't receive a miracle. The gifts come, the Bible says God gave gifts to men, but he gave them in the form of men. Remember, the gift is encased in a man. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen. Look, at this. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here to help you out. Amen? Look at this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that a shepherd is a man that God puts over your life to oversee your soul. 
Amen? So God brings a shepherd in your life so that he can oversee your soul. Amen? Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Do not domineer over those in charge of you, but be examples to the flock. So everybody say an example. So a pastor is a shepherd. He's an example in your life. Amen? You need examples. Amen? The apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ to his disciples. Amen? Are you listening to me? So God will send mentors. He'll send pastors. He'll send overseers to to be a blessing to you. Amen? Look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherds. Everybody say shepherds. And teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Let me ask you this. Is the, can the body of Christ be built up without shepherds? This is, this is the way the kingdom operates, amen? This is God's delegated authority on the earth for your benefit, Amen? Shepherds are gifts that God gives to men so that the flock can be taken care of. Amen? To equip. Everybody say equip. So when you come up under the shepherd that God has for your life, you are a person that is equipped. Amen? The fivefold ministry is there for the equipping of the saints to, so the saints can do the work of the ministry. Now, let me ask you this. Can the saints do the work of the ministry without the fivefold ministry? No, No, because they wouldn't have their equipment. Is that true? Are we talking Bible? This is what Americans don't understand. And I pick on Americans. I am an American. I was born in America. Puerto Rico is American territory. Amen? I'm as American as George Washington. My God. (laughs) I love this country. Amen? I'm telling you, I do. I'm American. And I'm very patriotic, and I love this country. Amen? But the problem is, is democracy is not compatible with kingdom. And you can't bring your democracy into the kingdom because it's going to mess things up. Amen? Because as an American, right? Everybody say America. As an American, amen, I can do whatever I want to do, right? Because I'm free. I'm an American. I got rights. I'm free to do and say whatever I want to say. Amen? I'm an American. So as an American, I go to a church. I listen to the pastor as an American. And if I don't like what the pastor says, I'm an American, and I'm free to walk out of that church and find another church. My God, I'm an American. Because I can choose to do whatever I want to do. As an American, but let me tell you this, when you become a born-again believer, you surrender becoming an American, and now you're a citizen from heaven. And you need to stop thinking democracy, democratic American way of thinking, and you need to start applying kingdom way of thinking. Because you're a kingdom citizen now, you're no longer an American citizen, you're a kingdom citizen. Your identity doesn't come from you being an American now. It comes from you being a kingdom citizen. My God, come on, somebody. So this is what happens. Under the banner of freedom, Americans become some of the most rebellious people on the planet. Because we can do whatever we want to do. I don't have to listen to that, Pastor. I'm an American. My God, I can do whatever I want to do. Somebody give me an AR-15. Sorry, right there, shoot.
Amen. And I love guns. I have guns. I go shooting. We have a shooting club. We're pro-Second Amendment. Look, we're as American as it gets. I'm telling you right now. I love the armed forces. I love ministering to them. I love our boys in blue. All that. I'm all about it. But we're no longer democratic. We're kingdom. And kingdom means you forfeit your rights to the king. By the way, huh? my God, I'm, I feel anointed to get all up in this. Amen? Americans, my God, Americans. How do we help these people? Amen? Americans wonder why other countries see so many miracles. The problem with Americans is lack of honor. You can't receive from what you, that which you don't honor. Have you ever seen anybody have authority that is not under authority? Let me ask you this. When you get pulled over by police, why do you respect his authority? Because somebody delegated that authority to him. Is that true? Have you ever seen anybody have authority that has not been given authority? All authority comes from one place, and that's the Father. And I said the Father on purpose because when you look at it scripturally, the way God designed the whole thing, everything comes from the Father of lights. Everything. Even Jesus knew that. That's why, and I said it yesterday, when Jesus promised his disciples the Holy Spirit, first of all, people would come to Jesus and say, my God, you heal all these people. All these wonders and miracles, you're amazing. And what did he say? He says, it's not I that does this work. This is not my authority. This is my father. I only do what I hear and see. My God, that's a man under authority. Jesus was a man under authority, my friend. And you struggle being under authority, but Jesus was under authority. Come on, somebody. And he wasn't loud and proud. I mean, Jesus could have took the glory himself. I'm the man. I'm Jesus Christ. Yes, I held them all. Somebody give me that sheep so I can put it over my shoulders. My God. Walk up in this place. I'm Jesus Christ. Know who I am? I can call fire from heaven right now. If the prophet can call a bear to maul you, I'll call a whole dozen of them to come maul you up. I'm Jesus Christ. No, he is so humble. Amen? He knew where his authority came from. He knew his place in the kingdom. Do you know your place in the kingdom? Huh? Who is your pastor? How do you know who is your pastor? Who assigns your pastor to you? God. Amen? There's an order in the way this thing functions. And if it doesn't function in that order, then we don't have unity. And if we don't have unity, we don't have that thing called the commanded blessing. When brothers come together in unity, come on, somebody. That's the place of the commanded blessing. I'm going to tell you right now why the world beats us seven days out of the week. It's because they have a great unifier called mammon. We have, you know what we have? We're stuck with covenant. And covenant, you got to make a decision to line up and to sign that covenant. The Lord says, that's your pastor, and you make a covenant. That's my pastor. Why? Because God said so. And there's a period at the end. He didn't ask me for my advice. So he's my pastor. Pastor Roddy's my pastor. I'm not looking for another pastor. As a matter of fact, I don't listen to anybody spiritually that's not called to speak into my life. That would be a foolish thing to do. I would be a schizophrenic, distracted individual. Because I'm on assignment from heaven. Amen? And God has put me under a covering where there's a clear There's a clear message and a clear vision of what we're called to do on the earth. 
Amen? We are revivalists. We are part of that fire-breathing, Pentecostal, prosperity kind. Amen? And I'm not looking for anything new. So you don't see me going on YouTube flipping around just listening to everybody. No. I'm not saying that's not God. It's just not God for me. Amen? I got to stick with those that God called me to run with because that's where my gifting works. Come on, somebody. Let me ask you this. Can this part of the finger work without this knuckle? It has to be attached to this knuckle, right? Now you get the picture of what God's talking about with the body of Christ. You got to find your place. Now, if we got a finger coming outside on the side of the head, that would look pretty weird, right? Right now, the body of Christ in America is like a dismembered, disfigured bride. And that's not what he's coming back for. Because everybody just hops around, goes wherever they want to go. They go somewhere. God forbid the pastor reproves them or rebukes them. They go running for the hills. Bunch of rebellious people. They bounce from church to church to church to church and have no covenants outside of mammon. Now you wonder why America is in the condition that, that we're in. Because the enemy is unified. The liberals are unified. Hello? You want me to give you a good example of how this plays out? Because the church, the church is the governing body of God. The word ecclesias, ecclesias which, which we get the word iglesia from in Spanish, which we get the word church, is called a governing body. We are designed to govern for God on the earth. We are the ambassadors. God's outpost for the kingdom is us. And we are called to run this place. He said, you know how you guys should pray? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, who's called to enforce God's will on the earth? God working with man, confirming his word with signs, wonders, and miracles. My God, that's who you are. You're an ambassador of another kingdom. You are an alien to this world. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That is your place of authority. And you come down on this earth to establish his work. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Woo! And the Bible says God's given gifts to men in the form of the fivefold ministry to equip the saints so that they can go out there and take territory for God. But the saints don't want to line up to the fivefold ministry. They don't want to come up under the fivefold covering. They want to bounce around, do whatever they want to do. There's no unity, my friends. That's why the devil beats us seven days a week, my friends. Somebody's a great engineer, creative mind, goes and works for Apple. Goes and works for the highest bidder instead of bringing their gifting to the kingdom of God. We don't have any engineers. We don't have. The devil has the most creative people because everybody's looking for finances. So the devil comes and he snipes our most creative people because everybody's looking for the highest bidder. I'm a, I'm a hireling. Who's going to pay me the most? Okay, I live in Florida. This company in California is paying me more. I guess where I'm going. I'm going to California. You might not even be called to be, to be in California. Your pastor might be in Wyoming and you don't even know it. Unity is a very important thing. You can't build anything without unity. Let me ask you this. Uh, let me tell you this. Every Fortune 500 company, when you look at their SOP, Standard Operating Procedure, and you read the manual, it's all biblical principles, people. The world has taken our principles under the gift, of, under the spirit of mammon, and have built great things. You go to every self-help 
Zig Ziglar, Seminar, Tony Robbins, all these people just snipe and take and extract all the principles of prosperity in the Bible and they eliminate Jesus. That's how much the principles work, people. And imagine if we actually started operating the principles with the fire of the Holy Ghost. We have an advantage over the world. But we can't use our advantage because we're not united, my friends. Think about it. Why? Look, every city in the world, every city in the world, downtown, big skyscrapers. We don't own one of them. Anywhere. And we call ourselves the sons of Abraham, heirs according to the promise. And we talk a big game about prosperity. The world groans and travails for the manifestation of the sons of God. Because man was never designed to steward wealth without God. This is what the world looks like when men stewards wealth without him. We're poor stewards. But if there's no fire, we can't even get started. Your carnality will always get in the way. Because every man in the natural lives a life of leverage. What's in it for me? And the life of the spirit is based on covenants. It's based on laying down your life to to lift up somebody else's hands. The life of the spirit is a life of the servant. You go lower and you lift others up. And then God becomes a reward. And he comes and finds you in the mud being faithful, tending the sheep out back. And the prophet says, get me that boy in the back because that's the man that I'm looking for. Come on, somebody. And you allow God to promote you because you do what is right when others coward and sell out. You don't sell out. My gift is not, is not to the highest bidder. I'm not a hireling. I'm not, I'm not going to sell out because I'm sold out to the kingdom of God. Come on, can I get an amen in this place? My Lord. God created hierarchies. You got to understand that. Without, without hierarchy, there's no unity. Amen? There is a governing system in the body of Christ that God designed to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Amen? And if we don't line up to God's system, covenant system, then the world will continue to beat us. Because people show up every single day, even if they hate their boss. 15 years, hate their boss, they show up. I mean, hate their life, still show up. In church, you breathe on them the wrong way, and they're out the door. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm like walking by. I look like this. Oh, did you see how he looked at me? I'm out of this church. Heck no. Pastor's busy talking to a couple people, and the person's waiting to talk to pastor. No honor, no respect. Get in the car. I'm never going back to that church. I'm not going to a church where I can't talk to the pastor. It's amazing how you don't do that to your boss. Show up. You're going to show up tomorrow. Man, you hold really good covenants when it comes to money. I can't get offended at my pastor because he's my pastor. I don't get offended at my pastor. It's not about proximity. It's about honor. Amen? My job is to lift up his hands and to be a blessing to him. That's it. And to follow his lead. I have my own church. But he's the commander. Amen? And that's apostolic. That's why apostolic doesn't even exist anymore. The apostolic structure of the church 
The apostolic, apostolic means the sent one. God sends somebody to a region to establish the fivefold ministry and to raise up churches. Amen? And it's a beautiful thing when it's done that way. Just because, look, and I'm going to tell you this. Just because something is abused doesn't mean there isn't a right. Amen. Oh, yeah, well, that last church, the pastor controlled me. Blah, 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 blah. Look, people in every organization, every structure, there are good people and there are bad people. It doesn't throw out God's structure. You've got to line up to it. Amen. Amen. Pastor Rodney will be my pastor the day I go home to be with Jesus. I know that. Amen. I'm not looking for another pastor. Some people, if they're not a part of the cool kids club, well, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to go somewhere where I get to be a part of the cool kids club. Well, that's great. You get to be a part of the cool kids club outside of God's will because you're full of pride. And all you're looking for is a pat on the back. And you're not looking to really actually hold covenant. You're full of yourself. It is what it is. Come on, man. The only way you can build anything is if when you bring other people with gifts together, amen, and you have a manager that manages those giftings to build something, amen? That's God's way of how things function, amen? Jesus said, look, my authority comes from the Father. I come to lift him up, amen? When I go away, it's beneficial I go away because I will ask my Father and the Father will send you the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus knew. Jesus didn't say he was going to send us the Holy Spirit. He said he was going to ask the Father. He's our intercessor, our advocate, our standby. He said, I'm going to ask the Father and he will send you the Holy Spirit, amen? Even yesterday I talked about how humble Jesus was because God gave the priesthood to man, amen? And the priesthood was passed down, passed down, passed down, passed down, and man defiled and corrupted the priesthood. But he gave it to man. That's why Jesus had to come to John the Baptist. And when he came to the River Jordan, he says, it has to be done this way. Because I gave it to you. Now you got to give it back to me. Because you guys messed it up. Jesus understands delegated authority. God could have been like, I'm God. Who do you think you are? I'll take it back by force. Amen? He humbled himself. God humbled himself under a man and says, you have to anoint me and give this back to me. And you struggle submitting to a pastor, you're going to stand before God one day. I'm just telling you right now. The problem is, look, if there's no fear of God, then you do whatever you want to do. But to bring a gift to the house and to say, you know what? I believe in the vision of this house to shake this whole region. God gave you the vision to shake this region. And I'm a gift that plays a role, amen? And no man gets blessed off the back of another. Each one will get their own individual reward. But you get upset because you're not seen and you're not the man with the mic. The Bible says that the unseen members, when they go to heaven, will get a greater reward. So what's your problem? Do you even read the Bible? Are we reading the Bible here, my God? What's going on, people? Is it really, is it really about you? Obviously, come on now. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you should look, and I'm going to tell you this right now. All in the Old Testament, and this is the difference between those men. And look, and I'm sure we got some good old boys here. And what I mean by that is this. When a good old boy comes and gives you a handshake and gives you his word, that's his word. That's lost, right? Are you listening to me, right? That's lost. Especially in America. Well, those good old boys, 
in the Old Testament, they understood these principles. What it was to be a man of covenant. Amen? When they cut covenant back in those days, they came, a man came to a man. They planted two trees. They said, everything that belongs to you belongs to me. If an army comes to attack you, I'll be by your side. And they'll walk in a figure eight, cut a covenant, do a blood covenant, shake hands, and says, I belong to you and you belong to me. We're brothers for life. They understood covenant in that generation. And I'm telling you right now, the greatest revival that we're waiting for in America and in the world, that end time revival is going to be a revival of unity, my friend. Just like it was in the day of Pentecost when they all came together in one accord and there was a big outpouring. And when we begin to come together as brothers to build God's kingdom, I'm telling you right now, we'll wrap this whole thing up. Are you listening to me? It's time to hold rank. Lord, this is who I am. Thank you. Every single man in the Bible, when God gave them authority and told them, I'm going to send you to them. You are my man. You are the man that I'm going to use. What would they do? They would all fall on their face and be like, woe unto me, God. Are you sure you got the right guy? Because they understood the responsibility they had. The Bible says the teacher of the word is going to be judged at a higher standard. Nobody should want to be in leadership. Amen? I'm serious. When we look at leadership, you need to be praying for that man because he's going to be judged at a higher standard. Nobody should want to be him. The buck stops at him when it comes to God. Did you know that? That's why we follow these men. Because these are the strong men that pay a price that we don't pay. On the earth, they pay a price we don't pay. And in heaven, they will pay a price we don't pay. Because we will be judged stricter than all of you. That's why we honor these men that God puts as brave men that are willing to answer the call. Because men that know what they've been called to, it takes courage to stand up. I remember when God called me, I'm like, God, you have the right guy. I don't want to do it. I begged, my, I begged the Lord to choose my brother. Because I looked up. No, no. <laughs> growing up, growing up, my brother was my best friend and he was my hero. All my friends were his friends. When we played in, in the basketball court, they called me Little Ricardo. And I was not offended. Or I got a name. What are you talking about? No. I was proud that they called me Little Ricardo. Because I love my brother like that. And I begged God. I said, God, you got the wrong guy. My brother's, he's the one everybody looks up to. He's the most gifted. Academically, he exceeds. He's the top athlete in the school. I said, God, he's the firstborn. He's the one with the birthright. Why did you choose me? I begged God. I said, God, use my brother. I'll follow him. He said, no. He said, you're my David. I've chosen you. You'll never be able to outrun it. I'm going to tell you, the only reason I serve God is because he loved me so much. He loved me so much. I love God so much. I fell in love with Jesus when he first touched me. I remember when I first got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I couldn't believe that God was real. I was like, wow. <laughs> what a love. I fell in love with Jesus, people. I went from listening to Tupac, Bone Thugs and Harmony, Outkast, <laughs> DMX, to all thugged out with my, I only wore Timberlands and Lugs. 
And I would lock myself in the room and cry my eyes out. Who? How? Nobody told me to do that. I fell in love with Jesus, people. All I wanted was Jesus. I didn't know anything else. I found the greatest thing ever. I never found a greater love than Jesus. Nobody ever loved me like Jesus. And I would lock myself in the room, and all my friends would come. My brother would knock on the door, hey, we're going to go to the movies. I'm like, no, I'm not going to the movies. (laughs) I'm kidding you not. And I would take tapes from Michael W. Smith, and I would put on the most corniest Christian music you could ever think of. (laughs) And cry my eyes out in my room. Because I fell in love with Jesus. That's my story. And for hours, and I would get irritated because back then I would have to rewind the song. And I'm crying. It's freaking ridiculous. Got to rewind this song. I remember when, the C- when CDs first came out, and we had repeat. I mean, it, I'm telling you, it transformed my spiritual life. <laughs> like, are you serious? My, oh, my God, this is great. I could just listen to this song for hours now with no interruptions. I'm not making this stuff up. And I just loved him. I just wanted him. And I tried running from the call of God in my life because I thought, I was the wrong guy. I was the wrong guy. I was the most unlikely choice that you would ever think. But he chose me. And in my deepest intimate times with him, I'm going to use you. I'm going to take you to nation after nation. I would get visions and dreams. I'd wake up in the middle of the night speaking other tongues. I would see the multitudes, the crowds, the villages. I'd see me laying hands on people, people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. God, what are you doing? I can't do it. I don't want to do it, but I love you. One day I just gave up. I said, God, you love me so much. You've been so good to me. I made a promise to the Lord. I said, God, I'll do what you call me to do. You know, I don't want to do it. But if you can use anybody, Lord, you can use me. And I just surrendered. That's all I did. I surrendered. But I knew the gravity of what I was called to. And I knew that I was weak in my ability to be able to do it. So as men of God, we pay the price of surrendering everything for the call. Because we love Jesus. The only reason I'm in the ministry is because I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus. He loved me when I was unlovable. He believed in me when nobody believed in me. When everybody wrote me off, he loved me. He never gave up on me. There's something that's really hard for me to explain. But I know in my heart, the love of my children, the love of my wife will one day fade. One thing I do know, his love will never fade. I love my children, I love my wife, but I love Jesus more. I'm telling you right now. Everything I have, everything good that I have comes from him. And when you love Jesus like that, you'll line up 
to do things the way he wants them done. I don't care. I, I, I don't have any good ideas. What? You understand what I'm saying? I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't. Everything about my life is a flow. What do you want me to do, Lord? I stopped having good ideas a long time ago. I'm serious. Not my will, but yours be done. You know better. If I don't have a gift of faith, if I don't have an unction, I'm not doing it. Amen. I'm not going to be manipulated into doing it either. So life just becomes a whole lot easier. And it helps out your ego when you just quit and give up. And when you quit and give up, you'll be a person that holds rank and holds authority and, and, and submits under authority. Because it's not about you. It's about serving. The Bible says, them that refresh others, they themselves will be refreshed. When you lift up somebody else's hands, God will come and bring people to lift up your hands. The greatest in the kingdom is the servant. But now who and what are you called to serve? That's an important question. I want everybody just to bow your heads in this place. Man, I feel the love of God in this place. John 15, 16 says this. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I have appointed and I placed and purposely planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep bearing fruit and that your fruit would remain and be lasting. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. Wow. Jesus. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I really feel today... It's a coming home to Jesus day, amen? Coming back to your first love. Father, I love you. I'll do anything for you, Lord. I want my life to count. I want to have treasure. I want to store up treasure in heaven. Lord, I know your word says that in this life you can't serve two masters because you'll love one and despise the other. So today, Lord, I cut covenant with you, Lord. Not my will. May yours be done. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Not my will. Come, Jesus. Empty me out. Empty me out. I want to be an honorable man. I want to be a man of backbone, a man that stands up for what's right, a man that holds his post. When the enemy comes running down the hill, Father, I will hold my post. And if I need to lay down my life, I will. But I'll do what you've called me to do. If I live, I live for you. If I die, I die for you. But let me be one of those strong men finds their post in the kingdom and holds their post like a soldier in God's army. Let me be one of these honorable men.
Lord, give me a love for those that you've called to lead me, to instruct me. Change me, rearrange me, do whatever you got to do, Lord. I need you in my life. Whoo, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My friend, I want to tell you something here today. Nobody will ever love you like Jesus. Nobody can love you like Jesus. He loves you so much. He's amazing. He is amazing. He's amazing. He's amazing. Come on, just tell him how much you love him. I love you, Jesus. Hey, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. When brothers come in unity, in one accord and one spirit, all things are possible. You will conquer every giant. You will move every mountain. You will know no impossibility. When the body comes together and begins to be that beautiful, spotless bride. Oh, what a day, what a day, what a day. Know your place and hold rank until Jesus comes. Yes, sir. I'll be faithful with my kingdom assignment, sir. I know my place, sir. Thank you, sir, for the privilege of being a part of your army, sir. In America, everybody wants to make Jesus their Savior, but very few people make Him their Lord. When you make Jesus your Lord, you surrender your rights. That's what the Bible calls a bondservant. A bondservant is a person that chooses to delegate his rights to his master. It says, no longer I live, no longer I make my own decisions, but I'm a bondservant. I surrender my rights to you, God. And today I make a fresh I'm just so glad to be a part of the family. No matter what you're going through, I got you and you got me too. What's up with the family? Got your-